them because they will reject the Bible. It is by the foolishness of preaching that people are saved. And what is preached is the word of God and the truth of God. Jesus said, he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Anyone here tonight thankful for the word of God that, is, that establishes us, that strengthens us, that makes us rock solid so that we live a life that is truthful? Amen. Lying is characterized in many ways. Cain gave a very evasive answer. In Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 9, the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? That's a question. He said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? It was evasive. It was trying to get out of, of truthfully responding and answering. And the answer was, I know exactly where he was because I killed him because I was envious and jealous that his sacrifice was received and mine wasn't. Let me just interject right here. Anytime you have the ability to celebrate with somebody about anything that's going on in their life, do it with gusto. Don't look sideways, fold your arm and look narrowly at them. And then there's silence when you should be saying, I'm so very proud of you. That's exciting. Keep up the good work. We are not in this thing to compete with each other. What in the world? We're in this thing to build the kingdom of God together. If you're preaching better than I am, I'm still going to support you in the message that you're preaching because I'm happy about what God is doing. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands to that one. Rejoice. With those that rejoice. He was evasive. Jacob gave a deliberate falsehood. In Genesis chapter 27 verse 19. Jacob said unto his father. I am Esau thy firstborn. And I have done according as thou hast bade me. Arise I pray thee sit and eat of, thy, of my venison. That my, thy soul may bless me. It was a deliberate falsehood. Gehazi misrepresented the, the matter to his master. In 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse number 20, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master hath spared Naaman the Syrian in not receiving at his hands that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. This was wrong, so very, very wrong. Elisha didn't want anything from Naaman. Gehazi ran after Naaman, and he said, My master sent me, saying, Behold, even now there come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garment. And Naaman said, Be content, take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver and two bags and two changes of garments laid them upon two of his servants, and they bare them before him. And when he came to the tower, he took them from their hand and bestowed them in the house. And he let the men go, and they departed. But he went in and stood before his master. And Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? <laughs> Where have you been? And Gehazi said, Thy servant went no whither. I didn't go anywhere. It's a misrepresentation to his master. Deception was practiced by Ananias and Sapphira. Acts chapter 5, verse number 1, Ananias and Sapphira sold a possession. They kept back part of the price. They were both privy to it. They brought a certain part, laid it at the apostles' feet, and Peter asked Ananias, why did Satan fill your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land? Was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own power? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied unto men, but you've lied unto God. They were deceptively working the edges and presenting something that was false. Lying is the sin of Antichrist, according to 1 John chapter 2, verse 22. Who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. 
he is antichrist that denieth the father and the son. John's perspective of the father and the son is that the father became the son. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And there were some saying that what you saw in Jesus, this is, this is known in history, and it's known connected to the epistles of John that he was fighting Gnosticism. And Gnosticism does not believe that material things are real. They believe that they are sinful by its very nature. The Latin phrase that is used is ipso facto. By its very nature, it is evil. So what they were saying is, when you saw Jesus, that was an apparition. That wasn't the real Jesus. It was just an apparition. It was a shadow. It was a figure. Because if Jesus would have actually been flesh, he would have been sinful. And therefore, he cannot be in the flesh because he would have been sinful. So it was an apparition. This is called Gnosticism. And John said... That man is antichrist because Jesus wasn't a shadow. He wasn't an apparition. Jesus was the Christ. He was God manifest in the flesh. And, and you're, you're fostering something that is a falsehood. Because if you believe that Jesus, who is your high priest, your sacrifice, and the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world is just an apparition or a shadow, then he doesn't understand who you are. He never walked in your shoes he was never tempted like as you are and John said that is an absolute lie and a falsehood and I'm going to declare says John he is anti-Christ the God that I serve became flesh dwelt among us we beheld his glory he walked in our shoes he lived in our world and he died for our sins God, you've got a high priest that knows every infirmity that you go through. Oh, I think it would be good right now to clap our hands and say, thank God for the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Amen. John said that person is antichrist. If he denies that Jesus Christ did not come in the flesh. All habitual liars forfeit eternal salvation. Revelation 21 and verse 27. There shall in no wise enter into it heaven. Anything that defileth neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. But they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. I want my name written in the Lamb's book of life. Praise God. A habitual liar forfeits that opportunity. The nature of what is at stake should cause one to seriously reflect on what they are speaking and the condition of the heart from which words are expressed. We should think about what we say. And because what we say many times is connected to our heart, we should think about the condition of our heart. One particular way the method of numbing down occurs is to inundate someone with so much of a particular viewpoint ad nauseum until the perspective is that everyone must be doing this. Our media is full of this nowadays. We say untruth so often and so much that people start believing that that in fact is the truth. You better be very careful what goes in your ears and what you listen to. And I'll just say this. You should be very suspicious about whatever you hear on whatever platform in trying to understand what, in fact, is the real truth. Because I'll tell you this, journalism 
is dead. Used to be back in the day that a journalist would dig into the story no matter what and get the truth. It's not that way anymore. It has become so politicized, nobody knows what the truth is so that everything becomes fake news. It's inauthentic. It's not real. You know what it drives me to do? Rather than spending more time in that context, I want to know more of the scripture because it is tried and it is true and it is it has stood the test of time. You can come with your story and you're going to fade away. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my word will never pass away. I'm going to build my life on the word of God. Amen. I want the word of God to be the influence in my life. And just because everybody may be blabbing and gabbing, and just because there may be a lot of white noise of voices that are in the world, does not mean, does not mean that everybody is doing it. There is wisdom found in people who don't follow the trends and the culture and the environment and the winds of change. There is value to individuals that can stand in the midst of that and say, I don't care what the culture says. It is not going to influence me. I am not going to start dressing and looking like you are. I am not going to start listening to and allowing things into my head and my mind influence me in sexuality, in spirituality, emotionally, psychologically. I'm in this thing for the long haul. I am living for God, and I'm living for God here, and I'm living for God there, and I'm living for God everywhere. I'm living for God now. I'm living for God tomorrow. I'm living for God in Bakersfield. I'll be living for God in Los Angeles. I'll still be living for God out of state and I'll be the same individual overseas because living for God is the best thing you can do with your life. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to live for God when I'm here at home. I'm going to live for God when I'm on vacation. I'm not going to take a vacation from the doctrine, from the scripture, from what God has blessed me with. You better not play around with the blessings of God. Praise God. Some of the headwinds that you might run into are because some of the dilly-dallying that you're doing. Let me tell you, God blesses those individuals that plants both of their feet on the scripture and says the world is not going to change my mind, my attitude, my thinking, my family my children this is the same thing that we live by are directed by I've written it on the doorposts of my house this is going to be a house that is called of the Lord thank you Jesus not everybody's doing it not everybody's doing it there are individuals in the scripture that stood in the face of much adversity Abraham, Moses, David, the Hebrew children, Daniel, the prophets. When it was not popular. Because they recognized their consequences. The psalmist got into the state where he looked around and he said, in a very jaded way, all men are liars. All men are liars. In his haste, he said, I said it in my haste. Did you know if you're not careful, you can become so disillusioned with the world that you look at everybody else and you make great generalizations. And that's what the psalmist did. He said, all men are liars. You know what I'm thankful about? I'm thankful there are people in this house that are not liars. Praise God. I'm not so jaded to think that in this place there are people that want integrity and want honesty. And I'm also not so jaded to think that the world also wants integrity and honesty. Did you know there have been people in this church that have been blessed because individuals have lived their life in such a way that a company, a business, an endeavor, an entrepreneur has said, you know what, I can count on you because I know you're going to show up on time. I know you're going to be honest. 
honest. I know you're not going to be full of drama, but you're just going to do what needs to be done. We need to be very thankful for that because that's salt in this city. When I drive around and see Safety Network all over this city, you know what I think about? I think about godly men and women who have families entrenched in the word of God spread around this entire city. That may not say GBFPC on every Safety Network sign, but it does say that's an apostolic, God-fearing man and woman, loves God, wants to be in the house of God, is involved in the work of God, and it's a representation and a testimony to our city. That's the idea of business's mission, that I can be used in a world. I'm thankful for people in medical fields. Praise God. There are consequences to lying. When you perpetuate a fraud in the Old Testament, in Leviticus, the Old Testament law, if a soul sin and committed trespass against the Lord and lie unto his neighbor in that which was delivered him to keep or in fellowship or in anything taken away by violence or hath deceived his neighbor or hath found that which was lost and lieth concerning it and sweareth falsely, in any of these that a man doeth sinneth therein. If you were told something by your neighbor and it was delivered to you to keep or in fellowship or in a thing taken away by violence or hath deceived his neighbor or have found that which was lost in life concerning it and sweareth falsely in any of these, it is a sin. When somebody tells you something and it's in confidence, you don't go spreading around to everybody else because it was told to you in confidence. And let me just say this while I'm on it. You better be very careful who you tell people things. Because sometimes the people you tell will go right out and tell everybody. Perpetuating a fraud. Wrongfully condemning. Deuteronomy chapter 19 verse 15. One witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or any sin. In any sin that he sinneth at the mouth of two or three witnesses. Or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. There is a process so that individual is not wrongfully condemned. There are consequences to what you say. Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 14. He said, then the Lord said unto me, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither spake unto them. They prophesy unto you a false vision and divination and a thing of naught and the deceit of their heart. It was so impacting to the prophet Jeremiah that there would be testimonies of people who were false prophets. And the reason why he felt that way is because it was doing damage to the nation of Israel. There are consequences. 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 People, people end up in jail and in prison for playing silly games that are dishonest. It's a lie in action. It's a lie in action. People, people have built the government out of all kinds of money by collecting on all kinds of benefits, by perpetuating that they are somebody that they are not. That is dishonest. It's dishonest. And so you, you get caught up in that. You can drown in that. And, and there are consequences associated with that. I, I would rather do the hard work and get connected to the hard work and take ownership of what I did with my own hands than to cheat somebody out of something and then take that and be satisfied with that. I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that you can't do that, that your conscience actually works against you because you know Deep down, you're nothing but a cheat, and you're nothing but, but a, a, a scapegoat for a world and a mentality that thinks that you can get by. I don't believe that you get by with that. I think spiritually and psychologically, your mind tells you you're not where you should be. Hey, how about saying, God, I don't want to be a liar, and I don't want to be jaded about lies, but I want to be godly. I want to do the hard work that it takes, and I know that you'll bless me when I do those things because I'm not cutting corn. 
I'm doing what is right, valuing your word, and I'm putting you to the test. Listen, you can't outgive God. You put God to the test, and God always comes through. He won't leave you. He won't leave you forsaken or his seed begging beg bread. It will never happen because God is a God that is going to be faithful to you. He'll walk with you. He'll open doors for you. He'll make a way where it seems like there is no way. The consequences of lying, all men are liars. Said In my haste, the psalmist said, all men are is that it sows discord. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 19, a false witness that speaketh lies and he that soweth discord among his brethren. There are consequences. Let, let me just, this is just teaching. This is Tuesday night on the rock. If you're a habitual liar, what hap happens is you end up isolating yourself. Now, every single one of us has got caught in a trap where somebody, somebody came to us and said, did you say... And we've got a decision right there to make, right? <laughs> Own up and say, you know what I did. And I apologize. It was the wrong thing to say. I don't even know what I was thinking. One of those moments opened my mouth, stuck my foot in. Or, no, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, well, I, I didn't say it quite like that. Or maybe you misunderstood. We, we, we end up with a decision that is made. When, when, and then if you're confronted, if it's done right, and you acknowledge it and say, yeah, that's right, and, and then you learn from it, then you're not so apt to speak untruths in the future. And God has helped all of us, including you and me, to develop a conscience and a character and an understanding that I, I need to be careful what comes out of my mouth. But if you just blow on by that, and that is something that you continually do, what happens is you isolate yourself because nobody wants, wants they don't trust you. Did you know there's some people not in this church because that's been their modus operandi? And it becomes time and time again until you develop the personality of being somebody that's just always telling untruths saying stuff that sows discord, creating drama, and people don't want drama. Drama stops revival. We want revival. We don't want to hear about what so-and-so did and what they said and what they're doing, and half of it is not even true. creates discord, a false witness that speaks lies is one that soweth discord among the brethren. It leads to delusionary error. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 11, and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. They end up believing something that is a strong delusion. And when, when strong delusion and delusionary error becomes the foundation of your thinking. It becomes false worship. And Romans chapter 1 verse 25 said they changed the truth of God into a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Lying is also antisocial. Proverbs 26 and verse 28. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it. And a flattering mouth worketh ruin. Jesus said that Satan is the father of lies. If Satan is the father of lies, Jesus is the father of truth. I'm, I want to follow Jesus. I don't want to follow Satan. So I'm going to do my very best not to tell untruths and lies and sow discord and a false witness. And I want to build up, encourage, strengthen, celebrate, put something in, invest in individuals because that is what Jesus is. And if we're here in this house, we're pursuing the idea that we can become more like Jesus. If you're a liar 
all men are liars in my haste, said the psalmist. How about you step out of that mentality and become a person that is a person of truth? I'm a person of truth. I'm walking in the truth. I'm living by the truth. I'm picking truth up that has fallen in the streets, and I'm going to walk truth around the streets, not only in what I say, but in what I do. I'm going to say it, and I'm going to live it. I'm not defrauding my brother or sister. I'm not tearing them down. I'm building them up. I'm building the kingdom up. I'm building everybody up. I'm building my brother up, my sister up. I'm building the young people up. I'm building men up, women up. I'm building T-Rocket, kids that come in. I'm building, I'm building everybody up. Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. We need to have the same attitude of Jesus. <laughs> That's some pretty bold statements there. Amen. You know, you know, you know what the devil is, is all about? He's about robbing, stealing, and destroying. You better not play with the devil because he's a father. He, he will sell you a bill of goods. Oh, that won't matter if you just let up a little bit there. It won't matter. It doesn't matter. It does matter. Absolutely, it does matter. Listen, if you build some guidelines in your life and you create some convictions in your life some standards in your life and then you start playing around with those boundaries because the father of lies says it's not going to matter if you just move the boundary over here widen things over here it's really not important pastor's just trying to do too much with all these things that he is saying and you think that you can get by and it'll be okay I'm telling you the enemy wants to steal destroy and destruct every good thing that you've got in your life you need to be thankful for the blessing that there are guardrails in my life. And not only you, but your family, because those babies are watching everything that you do. And those kids are watching everything that you do. I'm going to live for God with everything that I've got. Oh, I thought I'd have a little more of a response there. We need to recognize God has placed some things in our life to help us, not hinder us. The devil tries to tell us that's not correct. You don't need that. I'll tell you what, I've noticed over the course of a few years, Sunday morning, I got so excited Sunday morning, I said I'm 52, I'm only 51. And I was corrected after that. It sounded good, 52. But I'm only 51. In my few years, I've watched, I've watched some of my own peer group Start messing around with basic apostolic identity. Listen to me, pastoral ministry. The basic identity is a new birth experience coupled with a life of separation and holiness. They are inextricably intertwined. And the moment somebody starts to unravel that relationship and say, well, you know, I really don't think it's important. These standards and guardrails and all this stuff. It's not really important, and I think we could really reach a whole lot of more people if we would let down on some things. Bishop, if you heard this, you've seen it double to the time of what I've seen. And then what happens is when you start letting down some things, then it's not very long that you start messing around with the doctrine. And then before you know it, there have been churches that have been powerful churches with a reputation that is worldwide. And some, pardon me if I be a little coarse here, some knucklehead steps into the pulpit and dismantles the whole thing so that there's not even a church anymore that people gave their very life, blood, sweat, tears, and investment. God help me. If I ever get into any place like that, I'll leave this place and go somewhere else and leave what people have put everything on the line for. But I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere.
It does matter. You're not lying to men, but you're lying to God. And all falsehood is forbidden in the Christian community. As the musicians come, Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. All falsehood is forbidden in the Christian community. Lie not one to another. Saul never wanted to come forth with the real issue. He had no success. He was weighted down by guilt, and his life ended in ruins. Bewildered by the effects of lying, he sought to understand things of truth through a witch. A witch at Endor. Amen. Don't follow that trajectory. But trust in the word of God to establish you in truth. Praise God. I'm thankful for the truth of God. The wise man also said, buy the truth and sell it not. Amen. I'm thankful for what God has richly done in my life. And I see the blessings and the values. Praise God. I'm not going to follow the foolishness of the world. The church has never, ever been on the same page with the world. Never. Never. The minute we get that mentality and understanding in our mind, living for God becomes a whole lot easier because I'm not trying to please for the accolades of humanity. Praise God, but I am trying to please God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you've got somebody that's been in your world, maybe it's a grandfather, grandmother, mom, dad, uncle, aunt, brother, sister, you know, you know, even let, let me let me let me just play around with with conjecture, okay? Even if I was a backslider and I walked away from God and I did my own thing and I tried out everything, this would just be something personal to me. I would never speak bad about somebody that's trying to live for God. I just wouldn't do it. You know why? Because I value the truth that they are trying to present to a world. Some people backslide, man, they get with other backsliders, and it just becomes a big old heat fest of, of lobbing bombs and mudslinging at the church, and they're this, that, and hypocrites, and, and they're out in the world being a hypocrite with a bunch of hypocrites complaining about the hypocrites in the church. I'd rather be with hypocrites in the church that are trying to live for God than out there lost and going to hell with a bunch of hypocrites. Praise God. I appreciate, I appreciate individuals that have done their best to live for God and present truth. Our motto in this church is following, proclaiming, and celebrating what? Truth. The truth of the gospel can set you free. The peace of God can bring anointing to you that can set you free. The truth is you don't need pharmaceuticals and addictions and all kinds of stuff that people try to fill that void. The truth is Jesus can fill every longing that you have. As we stand together in the house of God tonight, Jesus can respond to every need that you have. Praise God. I know there's doctors and there's they work on the physical body, but I, I want you to know there's a true physician that knows not only how to heal your body, but he can heal your mind and your spirit and he can touch the innermost part of your soul. Thank God for truth. Oh, we need to lift our hands and say, God, I love you and thank you and praise you and I thank you for your word. Help us to follow hard on the heels of your example and your life and the scripture and the truth of God that brings life and it adds no sorrow. Help us, O Lamb of God, to move away from temptation to be influenced by a world that is so coarse and dark. 
and help us to pursue the light that illuminates and shines to us. Praise God. Let me, let me speak words of faith with my mouth and let it be connected to a heart that is pure and is right. And that's one of the most difficult things because the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? But God, I want to bear my spirit and my heart to you tonight. And I want you to work on my heart because I want to be right. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Come on, just right where you are. Right where you are. Come on, let's just, let's say a prayer tonight, right now, where we are. Lord, praise God. Touch me. Touch my mind. The tongue can destroy. It's like a fire. God, let the Holy Ghost speak through my tongue. <laughs> speak through me. Words of strength. Words of anointing. Words that are uplifting. Give us a revival that when people come from a world that is a dog, eat dog world, when they come into the house of God, they feel something different because people are speaking truth. And they're not speaking falsehoods. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, one more time. Uplifted hands. I surrender to you, Lord. I surrender. I surrender to you, Lord. Truth has the ability to divide the joints and the marrow and penetrate into the heart. Praise God. Hallelujah. I stand before you tonight, God. Let your truth penetrate into the deep recesses of who I am. Hallelujah, if I need to repent, I'll repent right now in the house of God and know that your word does a washing and a renewing and a cleansing that nothing else can do. Praise God. Come on, there's a depth of God's anointing. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, praise God. Come on, I want to speak truth to you. I don't want to sow discord. Come on, think about your brother and your sister. Come on, I'm making a pledge to you tonight through the preaching of the word. I don't want to lead you astray. I don't want to defraud you. I don't want to be a false prophet. I don't want to sword, sow seeds of distrust. Praise God, but I want to speak faith. Hallelujah, I want to speak love. I want to speak joy. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Let's just absorb his anointing right now. Let's absorb his power, his ability. you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to tell them I want to speak truth to you.
speak truth to you, Brother McAllister. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated. I need to say something real quick. Thank you all for coming up here, but you probably won't be singing, but it's nice to have some Supreme Court justices behind me, so that's, that's okay. Just stand there and support We have gone through 18 months of, of craziness. 18 months of craziness. <clears throat> it can almost become cliche to say that you've never seen things as political and topsy-turvy as we have ever seen them. But a younger generation, that's what they face and that's a society that they're growing up in. But maybe it would be better to say they're just some, there's some real challenges that face us. And somehow, 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 God has helped us try our very best to be balanced in our approach from the very beginning and then through all of everything that has transpired. I am so very, very disappointed in our political leadership because they have created much of the problem in communicating one thing and then turning around and saying something different. From the beginning, when a leader was trying to put forth the idea of something that they said, I won't, participate in that to now the very same people trying to mandate some things. It seems like every area of society has become politicized, every, every area, whether it's the sports world, fashion world, music industry, Hollywood, politics, jobs, businesses, employers, corporations, everybody's is, is just in a mode of group think and the church finds itself in the crosshairs of a lot of that one thing that we must must do and so far we, we have been able to not completely unscathed we have not been completely unscathed but for the most part we've been able to say whatever opinion you have or whatever you think does not supersede the kingdom of God and it absolutely must not and we've been able to do that. Whether you wanted to wear a mask or not wear a mask, we're still going to have church and we're going to still trust God. <laughs> and we're going to keep things that way. We're not going to... We may have differences of opinion, and that's fine. We may even d discuss it, but it's not going to be a discussion, a discussion that divides us. Because the church is what matters. Can you imagine? Now listen, I cannot imagine living the last 18 months without a church. I, I personally think we have done tremendous damage to children and, and, and so many other psychological, emotional, spiritual, mental places and where, where people are living in fear that it's, it's mind-numbing. But somehow, we've, we've been able to keep the main thing the main thing. And in the process of that, have been able to maintain and have revival. And I'm convinced that the apostolic church is a bastion of strength around the world because we are having church and having revival when everybody's shutting their doors, not worshiping, not reaching out, closing themselves off. People are trying to do whatever they can to, to be responsive to the world. And so now here we are again with, with another round of, of pretty much the same stuff that people are going to have to make a decision. And it's a very, very difficult decision. Some people may, may in fact lose their jobs if they say I'm not going to be vaccinated because they're, ma they're mandating vaccinations in some places. And so that's, that's a decision that, that they may have to make. And yet at the same time, if they've got a family and they've got mouths to feed, this becomes a, a, a terrible, terrible predicament. 
uh, I do not believe that the vaccination is the mark of the beast. The vaccination and the mandate and the coercion of the governments around the world forcing this, they're forcing it on everybody. And if you look in the book of Revelation, which is an eschatological book, which is highly symbolic, which many times you, you don't really know what those symbols mean. The early church probably had some understanding in their context and situation. And in their context and situation, the Roman government was so powerful that they arrayed everything directly against the church, directly against the church. And if there is a mark of the beast, it's going to be in that way. It's going to be the whole world arrayed against the apostolic church. And that's not what's, that's not what's happening presently with, with vaccinations. It's a political thing. And so we're mired in the politics of it. Now, I think it would be good to look at that and say, wow, it's amazing how in a short amount of time, the world governments and systems around the entire world have the ability to leverage their power. And, and it, it's very obvious to see how one day an individual could really, really target and pinpoint people of faith. So there's some people in the church that are vaccinated. And there's some people that have not been vaccinated. And, and that's a decision that you're going to have to make. And you should do your research. You should talk about it. When it comes to making decisions about your job, I'm, I'm prayerfully with you. I'm praying for you. I'm supporting you in whatever decision that you make. Because I think that's important. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I didn't tell you to put a mask on or not put a mask on. I'm not telling you to vaccinate or not vaccinate. I'm telling you that's something that you should make the decision on your own. And what makes me upset is the government should do the same thing. The government should say, here are some things. It's an emergency thing. It's here. It seems to have somewhat effectiveness, although there are other things that are coming, different variants. And, and, but that's a decision that you're going to have to make. If you choose to, great. If you don't, you may die. We live in a fallen world. But they're not, they don't have a Christian worldview, so they don't approach things that way. And so they're out there trying to, to, to mandate, and, and it, it gets so very, very confusing. Vaccination passports in some places they're talking about, but if you require voter ID at the ballot box, that's voter suppression. You're, you're not making sense. And the very people that you're saying over here that are being suppressed, you're going to absolutely disenfranchise them over here. Because years ago, you foisted a vaccination on them with venereal diseases and use them as lab rats. And so they, they're, they're, they're not too privy about taking a vaccination. And so you got all this. And so what do we do with this? And people say, well, I think pastors should say something. So I, that's why I'm saying something. I'm saying, do your due diligence, prayerfully consider and pray and seek God and do what you feel is the right thing to do. If, if you have the ability and you've got months in reserves where you could say, I'm walking away from my job. I don't care. Take into consideration you still have to take care of your family. And if you can do that and you can ride three months, four months, five months down the road, and then you can jump back in at some point in time when this stuff goes away, I'm hoping that it does go away. I'm praying it goes away. But it just seems to just self. If it's not this, in a few days, it's going to be something else. Again. And I'm telling you, we are not, I don't care what it is, we are not going to allow any of that get in here and create division among us. We are not going to allow that to happen. You can talk to people here in the church. There's some in the medical field. Some of them have been vaccinated. Some of them haven't. And that's okay. Find out as much information as you can get. I'm on a global missions council, and, and this year seems to be an opportunity to go to places, and many places you have to be vaccinated. I'm going there. I'm going there. I'm going to go there. Some of you have had to go back to school. You have had to take a vaccination to go back to school. Do I like that? Absolutely not. I don't like it. I think it's coercion. I don't agree with it. 
But you got to do what you got to do, and you have to make your own decision to do that. Praise God. So, and then, and then while I'm on this, got a few minutes until nine, then I'll let you go. It is not healthy when a church becomes so political that the focus becomes on the Constitution of the United States more than the kingdom of God. I'm thankful to be in the United States of America. I am thank don't stop, Brother McAllister, please. I'm I am I am thankful for the Constitution and the rights that we have. I I love the United States of America. I love you will not put a microphone. What do you think about the United States of America? I love the United States of America. I'm not gonna It's a place where everybody has opportunity. I'm not gonna hate on this place. The people that hate on this place need to go to Ethiopia. They need to go to Kenya, Zimbabwe. They need to go down to Central America. They need to go to Brazil. They, they need to travel a little bit. I guarantee you, you'll come back. You will kiss the ground. You will. I've wanted to sometimes. <laughs> 10 days is about max. You go beyond 10 days overseas. Whew. I'm glad to get home. You will run to a McDonald's even if you don't even eat McDonald's. You see a McDonald's, you're like, and you'll take off to get that quarter pounder of cheese and you may not even eat, you just, it's, it's Americana. It's Americana. So I think we should, I think we should be strong and have convictions about the constitution, about who we are as Americans. But ladies and gentlemen, our, the kingdom that we serve is not the kingdoms of this world. It is not. And if every time a preacher is going to get up and it's going to constantly be on the Constitution, all this stuff, we're missing the point. We're missing the point. You know what I want to see? I want to see people filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you know what I want to see? I want to see powerful worship. You know what I want to see? I want to see people's lives changed. That's what I want to see. Amen. So I want us to, to prayerfully, prayerfully pray for one another. These are, these, are, these are not, these are difficult times. People have to make difficult situations. I stand with you on whatever decision you make. And, and we need to recognize the seriousness of, of, of where we are. Amen. Trust God that God's going to help us through it. Amen. Let's stand together and let's pray that prayer. And while I'm talking about this, Sister Corinne Floyd... I talked to her just before I came to church, prayed with her on the phone. Her father passed away today. She was very close to him. So Sister Wilson, her daughters, Corinne, Jacqueline, Cheryl, lost a father. And so she called me. She has COVID. And she's, she's this is the third time. This is the third time she's had COVID. And she does not sound very good at all. We have lost a bishop in Cuba. We lost Bishop Aston. They had a big conference in the Midwest. Brother Epley, Sister Epley is not doing well. Her lungs are collapsing. We need to pray that God, God does work. Amen. Puts his hand of protection around each and every one of us. Brings strength to us and those that are around the world. And let's pray for Sister Corinne and others that you may know of tonight. If you just raise your hand if you have an unspoken request, let's join together right now and pray. Lord, we thank you and praise you. We worship you. I thank you for your power and your ability. I know that when we speak the name, it's greater than anything. Amen. No matter what the detractors may say, the pundits may say, the politicians may say, the naysayers may say, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous can run into it and they are safe. I pray for safety. I pray for strength. I pray for anointing. I pray for wisdom. We ask for it. We seek it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's do a meet and greet right now. Turn around to somebody and tell them it's good to see you tonight in the house of God. May the peace of God and the blessing 
of God go with you. In Jesus' name, amen.